0: Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, Andrew told me about his recent trip to Waymo where he rode in a Level 4 autonomous vehicle. You may recall that we spoke about this recently with our colleague Di Bowman and Andrew shortly after that had the opportunity to ride in a Waymo vehicle. Now Waymo, as we discussed in the podcast, is part of Google or the parent company Alphabet that is exploring and developing autonomous vehicles. And they recently invited some people in the Phoenix area to ride in a Waymo car. So Andrew had just done this and I was really excited to hear about it and frankly, fairly jealous. And I look forward to uh, having the chance to ride in a Waymo car myself. Um, Before we get started, We have a new website that you can go to. It is futureoutloud.org. We have links to all of our previous episodes, and that's where we will be updating news of new things that we're doing. Uh, So please check that out. If you like what we're doing, let us know. You can let us know um, on Twitter at Future Out Loud, on Facebook. You can leave us a comment on iTunes where you might choose to subscribe to Future Out Loud. So if you like what we're doing please tell your friends so that they can listen to future out loud and like what we're doing as well thank you as always for being with us and now on with andrew maynard and waymo
1: hi andrew good morning heather
0: thank you very much for getting me coffee this morning
1: it's a pleasure oh i thought you needed it
0: i did thank you um you got to go in a Waymo car last week.
1: I did, yes. So for everybody that's str- scratching their heads and thinking, what's a Waymo car? This is the company that was spun out of Google when Google started experimenting with their self-driving cars.
0: So W is... Because Google became Alphabet, right? That's, so yes. this is part of the thing. So I, well, W is for Waymo?
1: I You know, I have no idea. So, so actually, I think even despite the alphabet thing, this is what Google does. They, they experiment mm-hmm. with cool stuff. And then when it looks like they've got a market, they will spin out a, a company or a little compartment where they do this stuff. Okay. So Waymo is the, the company that's trying to develop this technology and, and commercialize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing is these are level four self-driving cars, which means they, they do pretty much everything.
0: Didn't we just have a conversation a few weeks ago where we said, "Ah, oh, level four self-driving cars are very far away."
1: We did. Dr. Bowman was was yes. saying that they're far away, and in some ways, they probably are. And it's going to be a long time before you're buying level four sort of self-driving cars for your kids and your right. grandparents and and all the rest of it, and everybody's driving them. Right. But the reality is that companies like Waymo have actually got test cars mm-hmm. on the road now. So this is what I had the experience with and wow. i must say that it blew me away i'm trying to be as objective and as cynical as possible here but it's still Fly. blew me away
0: okay good so that's okay that's a good baseline so what happened first? Begin at the beginning. Sure, yes. So
1: so this was, I, so Waymo have been testing these vehicles in the area for the last 12 months. And the idea is that they want to develop the car's capabilities and they want to develop the algorithms that help the cars make smart decisions as they're driving along. Mm-hmm. And This was the first time that they'd invited other people to come sit in the back of the car while it drives around. So okay. the experience was, um, I was a passenger in the back of the car. You mm-hmm. had a, a trained driver in the front. Um, mm-hmm. behind the wheel and then you had a technician there as well and the technician had his laptop out and was basically sort of on the laptop he could see what the car could see. So the car has got multiple sensors. It's got a 360-degree mm-hmm. camera on the top. It's got lidar systems around the side, which basically map out everything around it. Okay. Um, so this was about a 20-minute drive. Um, it was a, a pre-programmed route around many different types of roads. So we went along sort of busy roads, quiet back roads, by road works. By pedestrians, I everything you could imagine okay. apart from going on the interstate, we did.
0: Oh, so you did not go on the interstate. We did not okay. go on the
1: interstate, but we went on some pretty busy roads. And okay. some some roads where things were pretty unpredictable. Okay. And in that twenty odd minutes, the person in the driving seat did not touch the pedals or the steering wheel once.
0: Wow. And so you were watching that. Yes. I'm guessing you were also watching the screens the screen. that the engineer had. Yes. 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 And if you could back up for a half a second for people like me who don't know what LIDAR stands for, what does that mean?
1: So LIDAR is essentially the same as radar but using lasers. Mm. So you have these lasers that scan the area and they um, measure the the reflected light and they map out what the objects are in the area, including sort of what type of objects and how they're moving. Okay. So you put all this into the, the computer and the computer draws a map. Of the area, mm-hmm. and it's a map that sort of must extend about two, three hundred yards in every direction. Okay. So effectively, it can see everything in three hundred and sixty degrees mm-hmm. um, out to sort of several cars in front of you, behind you, and and to the side of you.
0: And because it uses laser, well, how does it? how does it know yeah. what's happening? Like how can it see through things?
1: So it's uh, it actually combines the camera and the laser. So the laser obviously can't see through things, but right. combining that with 360 degree camera and having Google Maps of the area as well, it okay. can make a pretty good guess of, of what's going on.
0: So it then. does know where it is based on Google Maps. That's and right. we know that a lot of information in Google Maps is crowdsourced from Android phones, <laughs> right? right? right okay so it knows what street it's on it yep. knows what uh, the speed limit is on that street That's right. it knows if there's construction
1: now in- so that the construction so I okay. don't know how much of this it takes from Google Maps and how much it interpolates okay. but I can tell you, that we were going down one road and on the screen it suddenly flashed up construction warning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that was because it had caught sight of a, a red construction flag to the left. So this was not pre-programmed oh, in. Wow. It had actually spotted something that suggested there might be construction. Okay. And then about 30 seconds later when it didn't actually find anything on the road mm-hmm. um, in front of it, that warning went away. Got it. So, so it's a mixture of it actually interpreting signs and signals that it sees in the local environment. Very
0: interesting. So that then becomes does does that then become a machine learning process where it says ah red flag yeah maybe it means construction but if there is enough signals that say ah that type of red flag doesn't mean construction then that
1: that's it so this is why they've been doing the tests over the last 12 months. And it's right. road tests, it's simulations, it's it's a whole load of things. Okay. And every time the car experiences something and it makes a decision which is either right or wrong, it learns something from that experience and the next time it does it better.
0: Wow, so you've done this once. Yes. So you got in the back seat, yep. they drove you around.
1: Yeah. Or the car drove us around. The
0: car drove you around. And did it feel like it was, uh, a robot driving. No, so
1: it's it. It felt like a human driver. Mm. Um, it was slightly more jerky, slightly less smooth than a, a good human driver would okay. be. but you could have closed your eyes and you would have no idea that it was the car driving itself.
0: Wow. Um, um, okay. E-
1: even down to so I mean, if you're in busy traffic and you're going through intersections and things. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way the car drove in terms of how it made decisions to switch lanes, to stop, to start, to go faster, to go slower, to go around mm-hmm. things, it felt like a human would do.
0: That's so interesting. Wow.
1: And and as part of that experience, and this this is what really blew me away, the, the way that it made snap decisions. So there are a couple of instances. There was one where we were going along a busy road, and there was, a I think it was a child walking or maybe a child cyclist okay. so it picked up way before we were there the fact that there was a child doing something mm-hmm. and it obviously signaled that it has to be cautious here and you could see it sort of working out how to navigate around this this potentially sort of dangerous human
0: and when you see, say you could see it that's based on the computer on, on the computer so the I
1: computer see. identified this object as being a child and as being a, a potential oh it knew that it was a child it knew it was a child wow yes. Yes. so it, it gets to that, that level of sophistication wow And there was another instance where we were going by a side street and a car drove pretty fast Uh um, at the intersection. And the the Waymo, you could actually feel it slowing down and beginning to veer out faster than I would have probably done as a human driver. Oh,
0: very interesting. Okay. So, would you say you felt safe and comfortable in this experience? and I'm
1: a little embarrassed to say this because I think Mm -hmm. we have to think cautiously and critically about these technologies. I felt substantially safer than I would have done with a human driver.
0: Interesting. And I wow. and
1: I did for a number of reasons. One is um, you could see how much the computer or the car mm-hmm. was paying attention to, mm-hmm. and it was the fact that it had this three hundred and sixty degree view every second of every minute you were driving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Unlike a human where there would be little distractions, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to concentrate on everything all around them. Um, There are distractions such as the phone, the texting, talking to other people, Mm -hmm. listening to the radio. Blinking, sneezing, yeah. The Mm -hmm. car was on 100% of the time, and 100% of the time, its mission was to get you to your destination as safely as possible, which is something no human, well, maybe really professional drivers do, but most of us don't. Think right. that way.
0: Right. Wow. Okay. And what do we know about the safety record of these
1: cars? So, and I, I wish I'd have brought the Um, the figures, but they, um, Waymo, and I think other companies probably do this as well, Mm -hmm. um, have a number of metrics to to evaluate the the safeness or the the success Mm -hmm. of driving. Mm -hmm. And one of those is looking at human intervention. So, for instance, as we were driving along, the driver had to be in a position where they could take over the car uh, at a moment's notice. And when we were on a busy street, they actually had to have their hands within an inch of the steering wheel. So they, if you can visualize this, the person almost touching the steering wheel, but not quite. Now, that's Kay. right. So, so the car actually um, monitors and records every time the driver has to take over. So, so this is an intervention. Okay. Um, and we'll have to check this and put it in the notes. I'm pretty sure the figures I've seen are at the moment Waymo are hitting two interventions per every 10,000 miles driven. In urban areas. Wow. So in urban areas. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So well. So so this is on sort of busy, sort of complex, uh-huh. unpredictable uh-huh. roads. Right. So and this is what blew me away. You put this into context. So you mm-hmm. think as a driver, how many times you have had a near miss? So think oh. of a near miss as the equivalent of a, an intervention. a right, right. Self-driving car. I can guarantee it's more than two times every ten thousand miles you drive. Yeah. So that tells you an awful lot, even at the moment, about the safety of these vehicles. They're obviously not going to be 100% safe. There are going to be incidents, Mm -hmm. but the indications are already those incidents are going to be coming at a lower rate than human drivers with all our foibles.
0: Wow. Okay. Now, I want to go back to the urban streets, you know, the urban slash suburban streets as opposed to the freeway or the interstate kinds of settings it would seem like clearly there's a trade-off in complexity that there's more things happening in more directions on city streets compared to the interstate but in the interstate things are happening generally quicker because of the speeds which so there's sort of a a trade-off in You know, complexity and precision versus time. That's right. So, have they? Is this um, is this public testing done on the city streets because it's harder, because it's safer? Because what
1: so I I can't speak for Waymo because I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But I can I can hazard a guess mm-hmm. um, for why companies are looking at this. Okay. Um, and I think you'll find this for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, freeway driving is easier, even mm-hmm. at the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, The the electronics, the sensors, react fast enough that in most cases they'll be able to see more than humans can see and and react faster than humans can. And And, Jamie
0: Wetmore told us that that was the the test case 20 years ago. That's right. right. So you look
1: at something like a a Tesla car, which is only a level two, not a level four. Right. Um, So they... Uh, they operate fairly well under freeway conditions. They do. Whereas urban conditions are much, much harder. Okay. So even though you're yep. going slower, some of those roads you're going 45, 55 miles an hour, right. and things can happen in a in a blink. That's so fine. you have to have a much higher degree of sophistication. Okay. More than that, though, I think if we're ever gonna see commercial systems, they've gotta be able to deal with mm-hmm. roads like that. If, as an individual, you're either gonna buy one of these cars, or you're gonna sort of call one up and put your kids in it, you wanna know that that car is gonna be safe on those those um, small urban roads. Okay. Um, and this gets to this idea of the, the, the last mile, that the fact uh-huh. that we don't just want cars that go along the freeways, we want self-driving cars that'll get us from our, our door to where we're actually going.
0: That's right, okay. Um, so, now I also, not as early as you did because you are out in the world doing science communication in the public eye Um, but I also received an email from Waymo Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, did I receive it separately from the one you forwarded me? You may have done, yes I might have and I saw something in the was it the New York Times, possibly? Uh-huh. I read the Times and the Post, so it was one of those. Um, and that, of course, now tips my worldview. So right. now everybody knows. <laughs> but um, I saw an article too that said Waymo is doing, you know, citizen whatever show and tell. Right. Um, so, it, what is the reason for that?
1: Yeah. So I I spoke a little bit to the the folks at Waymo about this, Um, and of course this is a company that has a fiduciary duty to make a profit. So everything they do, at some point it has to affect the bottom line in terms of profit. And they're they're upfront about that. Mm -hmm. But also talking to the the folks at at Waymo, they're really, um, I would say, passionate about bringing a new technology to apply to to transportation whether that's public transportation private transportation Mm -hmm. whatever they want to change the way we actually think about getting from a to b Um, and you can see very clearly in their minds there's both a business model here Mm -hmm. how do you do this and make a profit but also there's a social model how do you transform society in a better way while making profit and so that that to me was a very clear sort of push and a, a motivation here
0: I wonder if part of their motivation also is the recognition, and we've talked about this before, that really if we're going to address safety um, you know, with any of these uh, technologies, that the safest conditions are the conditions in which there are no more human drivers, right? right? right. So in order, so they, they have to accomplish some degree of reaching a tipping point. There are gonna be several of those tipping right. points, but oh, well. they have to have you can't have one Waymo car driving around. Something bad is gonna to happen to right. it and then that's gonna, you know, be a public relations and, disaster. And this
1: is this is part of the challenge and this comes to what I do around risk innovation. Mm-hmm. You may just have one crash, but if somebody gets hurt, you have this whole public debate about right. machine versus, versus well, people. Well, it was
0: that one of the the early Tesla crashes. right? You remember? And it was like so hot because the bad and then the battery. Did the battery explode or it just burned I very did, hot? I mean, batteries explode
1: everywhere it seems. Of course, so, sorry, yeah.
0: Worse, but yeah. But um, yeah, and people said, oh, this is so much more dangerous. It right. burns so much hotter. I don't know how anybody sure. standing on the side of the road could measure that, but However, yeah. However,
1: so, so I think that that is something that Waymo and other companies in the space need to think about Mm -hmm. really carefully because Mm -hmm. public opinion can flip on a knife edge. On the other hand I think we'll actually see something which is more akin to the introduction of iPods and the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And that is, as people get a taste for this technology, mm-hmm. um, it's the desire to be part of it that totally swamps any fear of the technology or safety concerns. Got it. Um, and I, you know, I don't know this, but I suspect that this is part of the thinking around these, these public trials. Mm-hmm. Because people get into one of these vehicles and they'll say, I want this. Yeah. Um, don't talk to me about safety, though, to be fair, I think Google um, or Waymo are being very responsible in terms of thinking about the safety. Mm-hmm. I don't think at the end of the day that will dominate the public discussion.
0: Well, if we believe in the way that innovation tends to spread, right? Yep. Um, Rogers, right, is the had the curve with the early adopters and then the sort of right. late mass and then the late adopters. That's right. And yes. So yes. we're right in that that. Early that, that, that left-handed tail. Early stage, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess the idea is to build the interest so that early yep. adopter curve will accelerate very quickly. That,
1: that's right. But there's also a, a bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. So I think if we were just talking about cars and swapping out your know, you know, sort of old Ford for a sort of a, a fancy right. new self-driving Waymo, um, right. it would be hard to sort of get up that curve. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, mm-hmm. um, companies in this space are thinking big. They're mm-hmm. thinking conceptually about a way of developing transportation systems that go way beyond the individual car. Mm-hmm. So we're starting with the car, But now you can imagine you go from a car with a steering wheel that can drive itself Mm -hmm. to a car where you remove all those things so you've just got a pod to a vehicle that you can just dial up if you want it. Mm -hmm. So um, five minutes it'll be at your door and it'll take you somewhere so you Mm can have don't have ownership, to public transportation systems Mm -hmm. where you have a fleet of these things um, that are part of a public transportation system that Mm -hmm. either come together as as units to carry lots of people or separate out, to a technology that then becomes part of a public transportation infrastructure that can actually, unlike current systems, can get you straight from your door Mm -hmm. to where you're going on public transportation. So that's the big thinking Um, and certainly for companies like Waymo the car is just the first foray into a much bigger strategy for transforming how we think about transportation.
0: Okay all right and, wow. that's, and
1: that's where you can see there are, there are likely to be multiple tipping points yeah. where, sort of 10, 20, 50 years from now, we'll look back at, at this era with people behind their wheels and cars mm-hmm. and think, what were we thinking? What
0: were we thinking? Why did everybody need their own automobile? Right. That's crazy town. Right. Um, okay, all right. What do you think? And this is a totally loaded question. Right. We've talked about this. So the the correct answer through history has been twenty years, right? But what do you think is the <laughs> timeline for seeing for, for the big shifts yeah, in Of yeah. course,
1: I you know, I am totally biased now. So it probably will mm. be twenty years. I actually right. think it's gonna happen much faster. Okay. I I would not be surprised, although I could well be wrong here, that we see a, a model of disruptive innovation which is much more close to what we saw with aircraft, mm-hmm. um, where people see the capability mm-hmm. um, and build on it so fast that you'll see, over well, maybe a couple of decades, but I think five to ten years you'll see a transformation, Okay. and the reason I say that is I, I can't see any strong limitations. So we've got the technology that works now, Mm -hmm. in two or three years that technology will have improved two, five, possibly even ten times in terms of its ability. You've got the possibility of a product, if we can get the price point down, that Mm -hmm. people will want. Mm -hmm. Um, They will very very clearly and very definitely want this. So everything is in place for this to take off really fast.
0: Okay, All right. Now waymo has a small fleet yes. right now that it's testing in Phoenix and did I see in Seattle I think Is there are multiple possible? places
1: I okay. yeah we would have to check that
0: and how many vehicles do they have in Phoenix right now do you know I any?
1: do not know I know that they've got oh I wouldn't even like to put a, a number on it but I've they've five or ten vehicles I've actually seen but I don't okay. know how big that fleet is but they're also a range of vehicles so they mm-hmm. go from the, the retrofitted vehicles where they just bought off the shelf sure. car and put the things on to they've actually now got vehicles that have been designed with the sensors actually oh, in wow. the vehicle so okay. this is the next generation
0: okay interesting and so now being in the Phoenix area mm-hmm. We see those driving around. We see the Uber Volvos yes. driving around, and and I think we should mention because we podcasted right after the the accident, the with, traffic the crash accident, with Uber, Yes, they so that crash happened, as I recall, on a Friday.
1: Oh, yeah, was it, it really was like a me. Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday, towards the end of a week. And yes. then
0: by Monday, mm-hmm. though, three days later those vehicles were all back on the road. They were so, so, so we we they, they, they temporarily cleaned.
1: sort of took them off and uh-huh. tried to work out what had happened and then it was a very quick turnaround getting them back on
0: getting the road. Getting them back on the road. So yes. they are back on the road. Yep. I continue to see them. I continue to try to crane my neck from my short car and see into see the whether they're actually car, really driving the driving? Yep. Hard to know. Um I haven't yet been in one of those. So Yeah.
1: I and I haven't yeah. either. They they haven't provided one for me yet.
0: Right so one of these days yes one of these days well thanks andrew for being the guinea pig
1: well thanks heather and we should probably sort of sometimes sit down and talk about the downsides of this so i'm jazzed up about this at the moment but to be truthful i this isn't a panacea of a technology there are concerning things that i think that we need to grapple with even if it does take off so that should be another conversation.
0: It should. And I think that that conversation invites the conversation that I uh, I think if we're being very honest and symmetrical, as we should aim for symmetry, um, to say technologies, there is no such thing as a technology that's a panacea. Because at the end of the day, everything is part of a socio-technical system, right? right? So the technology is not good or bad, but how we use it can be good or
1: bad. Exactly, and I'm just gonna put one little sort of um, thing in here to encourage people to come back when we do the next one. Yes. Um, As I was watching that screen that was mapping out everything around us in real time, and you could sort of see through the eyes of the artificial intelligence systems Mm -hmm. here, What was going through my mind was what happens when you put that same system into autonomous weapons.
0: Yes. And I
1: suspect that autonomous weapons are way beyond this, but it gives you a glimpse into where we're going with warfare. And that concerns me.
0: That is concerning. Well, on that happy note, (laughs) thanks. For more where that came from, check out the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Heer created our music. Ana Lopez is our production assistant. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.